Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Lara May, a clinical pharmacist specializing in functional medicine, as well as a certified yoga teacher and Reiki master. I run a truly integrative health coaching practice, encompassing functional medicine lab testing, yoga and meditation, and a sprinkling of Reiki energy medicine. Join me here on Light Body Radio to break through your health plateau and come into alignment with your natural vitality. My name is Dr. Lara May, and today I have with me Connie Graff, who is a clutter clearing coach, which I'm super excited to have this conversation. Connie has been helping people who work from home declutter their homes, offices, files, and finances. Working from home herself since 1998, she knows how important and beneficial a supportive clutter-free environment is. It's the stagnant energies that accumulate around clutter that can make you feel drained and stuck in life. So clearing them helps free up your energy, brings you more clarity, and helps you get unstuck and your life moving again. She helps her clients tidy and organize their belongings, files, and finances, but more importantly, she helps them develop habits and systems that prevent any kind of clutter from creeping back in, which I think is super valuable. So um, move from chaos to peace with Connie, a Swiss certified specialist in finance and accounting as well. Hi, Connie. Welcome. Thanks so much for the nice welcome. So tell us a little bit about you and how you came to be passionate and really get into this. What was your journey into this area? So I always joke and say I'm kind of born (laughs) to be (laughs) passionate about that. No, so when I was growing up, I was fortunate enough to have my own bedroom already as a child, but it was like so small. It was almost like a broom closet. So I was constantly um, already like maybe I was seven, eight years old. I was already kind of rearranging things and getting rid of things to make the space more usable because I had to do my homework in there. I was I had to play in there. I was not allowed to play anywhere else than in my room. Um, I had to sleep in there and all that. And I always felt cramped if there was too much stuff. So I kind of. Uh, as a young age, felt the um, effects of um, a lot of stuff in a small space on me, like physically, uh, energetically. And um, yeah, and so I, I don't know, I kind of just started this before even anybody talked about decluttering. I was already technically decluttering. <laughs> that's, and then, I think that's great. Yeah, because a lot of people, instead of optimizing their environment, they'll just sort of um, almost let the environment start to control them, which yeah. I'm sure you're going to talk about. That's probably one of the things that you help people understand, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. That's so, I love that. Um, so tell us, I was just perusing your website and I noticed that, uh, you have four categories of clutter on your website. Can let's start there. Like what is clutter and, you know, different ways that people can really recognize it in and around their space. Because I think we, we're all familiar with, you know, the hoarder 
and we've seen that show and I feel like that's an extreme a very extreme case of clutter being around us but so what is the spectrum and and just take us through that yeah let's start right there with the hoarder because I'm not such a fan of that show to begin with um I find it must be very traumatic for the people that take part of it and I actually have to say I never watched a full show it's too painful for me I don't think this is the way to go and how to treat people but so just to say first um, only about two percent of the populations are real hoarders and hoarders is actually a um, I don't know you probably know better how this is all called but this is actually like you should go to somebody professional if you if you suffer from this and um, to be a hoarder, you really have to have um, a lot of rooms in your home, not even um, accessible anymore that you can't even go into the room anymore and you have piles and piles of things and you can't throw away anything. Most people are not there and especially the people I help are definitely not there. I mean, if somebody goes to a psychiatrist for his um, hoarding problem, then I can help them um, like hands on. But I mean, like clutter is usually it's a cry for help. It's also it it um, is uh, something that tries to make us safe. And so that's why I don't like that show that much, because they take the, pe the, the people's stuff away. It's like you would take all your clothes away and leave people naked in front of a huge audience. And, and I, so I don't agree with that. But yeah. so, yeah, so most people um, suffer or, or deal with regular amounts of clutter, which is already a huge problem in today's, today's society. So you mentioned the four categories of clutter. So one, the first category is just things that you don't love and you don't use anymore. This is the most common clutter, like everybody associates that with clutter. It's just all the stuff you have laying around in your home that, and, and you're filling your garage and your basement and your attic if you have one up. Some people even fill their storage, like they pay specifically for storage containers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put their clutter in. So it it goes far like it's it, and it is a, like a huge problem. I don't know the percentage, but I, what I say is we all somehow suffer of having some clutter. Mm -hmm. Even I have clutter that I think this is human, um, but it becomes a problem when it's taking over. Like you said, when you don't own the things anymore, when the things are owning you. So that is basically the first one. Another category of clutter is if if you don't have that much stuff, but it's just a huge mess and you don't find anything, you know, that's like when things are just untidy, unorganized, a huge mess, um, you don't find anything, you, you, you're you running around like a, I don't like that saying, but like a chicken with the <laughs> head cut off uh -huh. <laughs> because you can't find your keys or you can't find your wallet or you lost your I don't know, you lost an important invoice that you have to pay or whatever. So that's the second one. Uh, the third one is what I experienced when I was a, when, when I was a child, what I was just talking about. If, if you have too many things in too small of a space, if it's just a space doesn't accommodate all the things you're having. 
So that's the third one. And the fourth one is the one that most people are very surprised is actually anything unfinished. And in today's world, actually, that becomes more and more uh, an issue, too, because we start so many things, never finish them because we start already something new. Our attention span is very short. And so that piles all up. And um, in that category, like you can go through this, the different kinds of clutter, like physical, digital, paper, emotional, social, mental clutter, anywhere we can have all these unfinished things, which really can uh, weigh heavy on us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like even like physical clutter weighs heavy on you, but then all this mental, emotional clutter can really weigh heavy on you. Yeah. yeah, it's some I've never thought about that with the unfinished things or untasks or projects or courses or you know all of you know all of that stuff and how maybe it could even uh, make us feel like distracted or yeah. like contribute to you know what we I feel like it's a generational ADD <laughs> in some yes. ways. Um, yeah, so that's I just really, that's read really the I just read the other day about um, digital books, like before the big problem was like for a lot of people with books, because a lot of people find it sacrilegious to throw away a book or give away a book. So now a lot of people have digital books, but I forgot now the statistic, but it was staggering how many people have hundreds, if not thousands of digital books on their device that they haven't even started reading or they started reading, they were finished reading. And you may think that doesn't bother you, but your subconscious knows about all these things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you only would have started eBooks and not finished eBooks, that's one thing. But most people that have that have thousands of emails that they haven't read. They have that have lots of online courses they may have purchased and never, never started or never finished. So it just accumulates. Yeah, and I do want to get into the energetics of this with you a little bit in a few minutes, but I definitely feel like that probably, you know, each one of those is like an energetic investment and just, you know, pulls yeah. it away. And it's almost like we can call that energy back. I'm sure that's part of something that you yeah. do with clients also is as yes. they go through it, you know, bringing the energy back to yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah, totally. That's what most people don't understand that anything, whether it's physical or even digital, it pulls on us, it's connected somehow with us. And it's not just woo woo, they could, they can make studies now they can see in the brain that it actually has a, a toll on you in a way, like, especially if it's too much. But in general, everything that goes on in our life is somehow connected and uses so uh, a certain amount of energy. And so oh, if yeah. you feel if you feel very tired and exhausted, then that has probably also something to do with how much stuff you're dealing with on a daily basis. <clears throat> yeah, well, and any of my listeners know that I am a big fan of the woo woo. And one of my passions in life is to bring the woo woo with the physical because we are energetic beings and physical bodies. So it's, it's impossible to really separate the two. And I think more and more as we understand the metaphysical world, even more that, that more people are coming to that realization and they're understanding the connections that even all of these physical things of clutter or even the mental things of clutter will have an impact on us. So um, my next question for you though, is how, how come we feel this need to accumulate the stuff? Hmm. Do you have an answer to that? That's, I feel like that's a big one. 
<laughs> or why? Yeah. Why is it that some of us feel more compelled to surround uh, surround us with the things? Yeah, so I'm I'm not a scientist or anything, but I think it's so there is um, studies on it too that this is a natural thing. We're actually born with this. There's a term. It's called the endowment effect. They can. They, um, they tested that already on toddlers. Like if you give somebody uh, or a toddler or some child, you give him a toy, it, the minute he has it, it's his and he has a completely different um, relationship to it and doesn't want to give it away. Like anybody who has children knows that they sometimes fight for their toys. That is, it is, so it is inherent in us. So we are already kind of born like this. We're hunters and gatherers and collectors in a way. Now, some people have it more and others um, less. And I think a lot of it is like, this is nature. So I always say nature and nurture. So this is nature. We're born with a certain amount of that already. And uh, if you want to, I can give you a link to a TEDx, short TEDx video where they explain it. Like I'm, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We can put it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, there is a little video. I think it's only about five minutes long that explains okay. this, what's going on scientifically and how this happens to us by nature that we're born like this. But then a lot of it is nurture to us. Look, how did we grow up like um, and how do we react to it? And that's, of course, an individual again. So some people grow up with parents who are very organized and maybe very minimalistic and everything is taken away from them. So they have uh, some kind of a a response to that and then when they're growing up uh, or even before that they start keeping everything close others do the opposite they or, or have the opposite they grow up with parents where their environment is cluttered and they they yearn for more um, space and openness so they give everything away and and become maybe even into the other direction almost too unattached of everything Mm -hmm. so it all depends and so and and then we're we're somehow very um atta attached also because we're sentimental so i'm I, I always joke and say i'm very sentimental but you don't need to hoard clutter even if you're sentimental so there's many reasons how we react to it um some people uh, fall into collecting stuff when they have a traumatic event or like if a loved one dies or if they lose their home to fire they may afterwards really start hoarding but i don't like that word but just collecting yeah. more yeah you know yeah. it's it's like a, it's like an emotional bandage oftentimes to um retail shopping how we call it lovingly is when you go out and you buy things instead of actually dealing with your emotions it's similar like when you just eat instead of dealing with your emotions mm -hmm. like there is some research in when people are very overweight that they're often eating instead of dealing with their emotions maybe also because they never learned of it while with clutter it's similar Maybe somebody never learned how to deal with their emotions. So what they do is instead of dealing with the emotion, they go and reward themselves by buying something that they actually really don't need. And then it all gets piled up in their home. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, so there's so many different um, versions of why people do it in the nurture part that you can't just give, oh, that's why people do it. It's not just one reason. There is really many and it's more sure. one of my jobs to figure out why somebody does it, because I feel like the minute they understand why, then they have a, a, 
a better way to to deal with it for themselves and to, mm -hmm. to move towards a place where they want to go awesome um yes i love that and so the, i want to go to next into how it affects us physically and then also emotionally so we can do either, whichever you want you want to start with but i want to cover both <laughs> <laughs> well just like you said you were on my website i was on your website a little bit and you talk a lot about gut health and I and I actually compare the two a little bit so when you go from gut health or, or when we just go from our digestive system so we're eating then the body I in an ideal world takes out of the nutrients and the, whatever it needs out of the food and then the less the rest it let's go <laughs> mm -hmm. you know and yeah. it's it's similar with the things in our life you know it's like nobody so I'm not a somebody who says, oh, you should live minimalistic and have as little as possible. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the things in our life have a certain shelf life. So we're acquiring them, we're using them as they serve us with what we want to do. And then if we move on in life, like we evolve, we move on, we have different interests, we should let go of them. So it's like gut health. It's like eating um, extracting what we need from it and letting it go. It's the same with, uh, with clutter. So yeah, most people a... don't do that. They, they right. leave it. So then they're constipated. <laughs> yeah. Clutter, yeah. Know? I like that. So, so yeah, it could be a cycle of bringing in and letting go, which is, could be said for so many things in our yeah. life, both physical and energetic. And yeah. I love how you brought up the books earlier because I can definitely relate to that. I'm a reader and book lover, and I definitely have moved on to Kindle. But <laughs> but even still, I you know I've I had to um, really force myself throughout different um, er times in my life when I was moving to really expunge and just get real with myself. Like, okay, do I need this to survive? No. Can it go to someone else that will appreciate it? Yes. Okay. You know, and like learn to, and it was a learning process, uh, learn to release it with love and know that it mm -hmm. wasn't something that I needed to be safe or to feel fulfilled or, you know, any of those things. And I, I'm sure I haven't done the research, but I'm sure there's some out there that, that would talk about maybe, you know, the dopamine and the, you know, the serotonin reinforcement in the brain of when we have, when we either get something or when maybe some people are, is not so much with the getting, but the surrounding ourselves, you know, that safety and that yeah. maybe it fills that void over that fear of scarcity or something. Um, yeah. That's definitely what plays into it. The, it the, it's kind of a scarcity mentality when you feel like you can't let it go. It's like, um, on one hand, you don't use it. You don't like with books often. How many times do you read a book really more than once? If mm -hmm. you even read it once already. Yeah. And, um, and then we can't let it go because there's this scarcity that there could be something in this book that I need some imaginal day in the future. And if I don't have it, then I'm, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm lost or whatever, even yeah. though the first thing that people these days would do is probably Google something if they need to know something, not go in their vast library and find the book that they once bought 20 years ago. <laughs> if the information is even still relevant. So mm -hmm. it, there is, um, 
yeah, there's a lot of scarcity with that, but it's it's even it goes deeper. So why is there scarcity here? Like you have to like you can really go dive deep. And what are these books like? If we want to talk about books, but it doesn't matter what we're talking about. The item yeah. is not in, like the item is really not that relevant. It's more what what the belief is behind it. Why you can't let it go? Doesn't matter what it is. So go back back there and just start thinking. And it might not be something that you come up with in five minutes. You may have the aha a week later while you're jogging or you're walking your dog or yeah. in the shower. You know, all of a sudden you may clue off why this item represents something that you feel gives you safety, which mm-hmm. is an illusion. But unless you see that for yourself, um, I can talk all day long. So that's right, one of yeah. the things. That's <laughs> one of the things that I always say is like I'm as a clutter clearing coach, I'm not here to tell you to get rid of things. What I'm doing is I'm helping you understanding why you're holding on to these things. Yeah. And then this gives you a better um platform or a better position to make a decision, you know. And yes. like you said, you come to a point where you can let it go with love you know yes yes and even then you know feel better feel relief afterwards so mm-hmm. on that note what are some of the emotional uh repercussions of having this clutter around us uh, i'm i mean i know for me especially growing up in an environment that would definitely be considered clutter now i find myself like i can walk into a space and like i'll just feel contracted and i'll feel anxious or i'll feel sometimes just even like shorter but like oh i like i almost like want to push out <laughs> reflexively you know and so um yeah so what do you what are some other things that you've noticed with your clients that comes up for them yeah a lot of that but the 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 trick of course is that the mind does on us is we don't consciously know it sometimes like it's good that you notice it so you kind of have um, either it's already, um, or yeah, it may come from your how you grew up. So that's how, how you feel right away, how it closes in on you. But some people don't even notice that because they never they never experienced anything different. So that mm-hmm. is is one of the things. Then stress is a lot is is a huge um, strain that is on us, and this is also very sneaky because we don't notice it. So like I have a lot of clients who when they actually get to a point to let go of things like you said too then all of a sudden you feel so much relief you feel lighter you you feel like a weight came off your shoulder and you never experienced that weight before because you're like um you're like a fish that doesn't know it's swimming in water you're so used to it right so these yeah. uh, th- these are a lot of emotional uh, issues that we have because of it um we don't we are not even aware of it mm-hmm. or we may not be aware of it um we can we can be very um angry and not knowing that it can come from the chaos around us we can be very short-tempered with our children possibly because of the stress because of the 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 chaos around us just because things don't don't work out the way or, or you don't find things. So it's like, I, I always say too, it's like decluttering is self-love by giving you a supportive environment. 
A, you give yourself an easier life, but you also give your people around you an easier life. You, you may be not as short-tempered with your spouse, not as short-tempered with your children. You're more present with your clients or at work or whatever you do. These are all emotional effects that you have if you have a chaos around you that you may not even consciously notice. Yeah, and I think that's something important to bring up too is that when you know, when I do a Reiki session with the clients, I, one of the things that we talk about is that, okay, we've cleared a lot. So there's going to be more stuff to come up. Like you feel good now, but don't be mm -hmm. surprised if more stuff comes up. And, but mm -hmm. it's just giving you that chance to keep the clearing going. It's coming up so we can move mm -hmm. out. And I think that's yes. really fantastic that you brought that up is that, yeah, okay. You've cleared it out. You feel lighter and there might be some more stuff that comes up and that's okay and that's actually a good thing um because yeah. then you yeah yeah it's uh, i say it sometimes it's like an, an onion you know there's always another layer yeah. <laughs> or or i say it goes in spirals that's why i also say that we all have clutter because if you if you move through some of your items and you can let go of some you're in a different position in your thinking in your emotional um uh in the context of how you're emotionally are attached to these things and so then all of a sudden, other things that before you were so certain you could never let go, all of a sudden you see them in a different light. And, um, and, and again, I'm not saying the goal is that you get rid of as much as possible. The goal, what I always want for my client is that their home supports you in, in the things that they want to do, what is important to them in their life. So you have to figure out first what is important. And then, like you said, and then we're going like in a spiral or like an onion taking off layers. We're going and working towards that. And and too fast off, like a lot of people always think like, oh, I don't want to deal with this for so long, but you can't go that fast. That is one of the pet peeves I have with these hoarding shows. They go so fast. They, mm -hmm. It's like ripping the bandaid off and, 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 but then leaving these people without treating the wound, you know? And, yeah. um, and so, yes, maybe sometimes you have to rip off the bandaid, but you have to treat the wound then and you have to care for it. And there's a lot of, pus coming out of the wound you know like in a way yeah. which is all these emotions that come up I mean there was a reason why you were hanging on to all these things and if you could just let them go from today to tomorrow then you would have probably done it you know so. right yeah yeah there's a support structure that's required when you take something away and it's the similarly exactly. you know when we're you know dealing with gut health we can go back to that is that mm -hmm. yes we're healing it but we do that by bringing in support because there's damage there that needs to be filled in and yes even with once you take away the stuff or the clutter and then now we have to figure out emotionally and energetically how to how to fill that in and give them the tools so that they are not back to square one right after you know they're yeah. done with their work with you yeah and one of the tools is for sure awareness and time and just also like like always we go and look behind the items and what they represent now when you let them go you may experience some anxiety or a lot of, like when we sometimes clear in people's homes or the room and all of a sudden the room is nice and clear you would think they will feel better but they may feel anxious all of a sudden because they feel that like there's where's all the stuff you know and so we have to give 
ourselves time and awareness to to adjust yes to yeah. process yeah absolutely exactly. yeah. so where do you suggest someone would start if they wanted to try this maybe just getting started on there because i know that there's a big sometimes there can be a lot of resistance and overwhelm when i think we even start thinking about okay i want to I need to clean up my garage or I need to, you know, um, get this room ready for a guest to come stay with me or whatever it is, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So what, what's yeah. the first step or the first few steps? <laughs> yeah. So the most important is, of course, that because a lot of people feel so much overwhelmed and that you don't have too big expectations, like I said, within two or three days, you can get, you have to be kind with yourself. So I always suggest you start with, an area that is the least emotionally charged mm, and okay, I like that. that can be different from people to people but as a kind of a general rule where we could start would be bathrooms are usually not so um, emotionally charged kitchens depending on um, the person also so let's start somewhere where like don't start in the garage because I always say like the garage is the place where you put everything you don't want to deal with so huge emotional charge you know don't start there don't start with photos don't start with your children's clothing from 20 years ago huge emotional charge start with your uh, bathroom counter maybe or I sometimes say start with your uh, so I have this process like when I say you wake up in the morning what is the first thing you see you're in your bedroom a lot of people have a dumping ground in their bedroom because we try to get everything out of the public rooms where other people could see and then sure. we clutter up our bedroom and then we don't sleep right because we're surrounded by this busy and this stagnant energy Mm -hmm. or busyness of all the items and the stagnant energy so I say sometimes start what you see like all the dirty clothes you have maybe piled up on your dresser you could put them in the in the hamper you know just to and then and then the second thing we usually see in the morning is the bathroom because we all need to go and go to the bathroom usually yeah uh, so clear the clutter there a little bit um, the third one is when you go to the kitchen, get your coffee or your tea, make sure you can clear the air a little bit. Just start small and also don't like don't start with a whole closet. This is way too big of a project. That's what, what creates overwhelm because we think we can do so much in, in little time, which is usually not true. And then we burn and crash and then we don't do anything for three weeks because we're so, so shocked how, how mm -hmm. um how a um, lot of work it was so start uh, so I always say like one of my sayings is a few minutes a day keeps the chaos and clutter away so right. just start even if you set an alarm on your phone for five or ten minutes and just do like like I said and not emotionally charged area like the kitchen counter the bathroom counter or take collect newspapers that are laying around that you wanted to bring to recycling something like that just to yeah. start um training your decluttering muscle so that's another yeah. thing that i'm saying like you wouldn't go and run a marathon if you haven't ran uh, anything in in the last 10 years so start slow but steady it's much easier because that's how you build up and then you can go more and more I like that. Yeah. And I think setting, um, setting a time, maybe at the same time every day, if you can, like putting it in your calendar. Okay. Here's mm -hmm. my five, 15 minutes, whatever it is, I'm going to go 
and but I think also too because that gives your brain an out you know so you're like so I maybe that could also help with preventing the overwhelm it's like knowing that okay I'm just gonna I only have to do this for five to 15 minutes and then I can Mm -hmm. be done and so when because the if the emotions do come up then maybe it won't go into that spiral I don't know what do you think about that yeah so like the, the spiral, you may need then to talk it through with somebody. I mean, that's what we clutter coaches are here yeah. for, or they may be able to, like, it's similar like what you're doing. Like, sometimes we just need to talk it through. If you don't want to talk it through, then journal about it. A lot of people, they feel like they have it on a calendar, but then they notice they don't do it. So then find out why you're not doing it. I mean, on one hand, you want to declutter or you want to straighten or tidy your home. On the other hand, you notice you're not doing it. So that is already a clue that something is going on. So then figure out why you're not doing it. Um, And that's why I'm saying start with something so small that there is actually no excuse. I have no time. Like I hear that a lot. Oh, I have no time to declutter. And I always say like, if you would know how much time you save by actually doing some decluttering and organizing um, and, but you have to go small, even if it's five minutes, you have to make sure your brain can't come up with an excuse and say, Oh, I have no time. Everybody has five minutes. Like technically everybody has 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, but your brain with 50 minutes, your brain can still tell you you don't have 50 minutes, but five minutes we all have. But then if you still have so much resistance, you may have to talk with somebody. You can, you can also talk with like if 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 you have a good friend that you could talk it through. I wouldn't necessarily talk it through with your husband way too close and um, or wife, you know, or your spouse way too close, way too emotionally charged. Again, you want to maybe go and talk with somebody that is not living in the same space and has no emotional investments to any of all that. Yeah. Or then yeah. you then you journal about it, you know? Yeah, I like that. And like so many things is that it takes, so we, you obviously, the person has the willingness because mm-hmm. they are wanting to get it done. But beyond that, it takes a willingness beyond that to even investigate with yourself. Okay, when the, mm-hmm. when the resistant comes up, and I run the other way. <laughs> what is that and why? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, get into that space of being self-loving and non-judgmental and just, I like to call it the objective detective mm-hmm. and, and, you know, saying like, okay, all right. So, but at least now I'm aware of what this is and I can address it. And do mm-hmm. I need more help? Is it something that, you know, I can sort of just say, well, that's not even true. I don't know why I'm thinking that, you know, so just uncovering too, like what's what's true that I'm telling myself and what have I just made up that is so not true at all and that I could just release (laughs) yeah I like the sentence that uh, you don't have to believe everything you think you know and like somehow we sometimes (laughs) think that whatever pops in our head is the truth and 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 we have to believe it but we don't have to believe it you know absolutely and actually really observe it and say okay so and and of course it's it's similar like if somebody wants to lose weight they always say I want to lose weight but in the moment where you have your craving to eat I don't know chocolate or dessert your brain tells you well of course and you deserve it and blah 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 and you kind of lose your long-term goal so another thing you can actually do is kind of like reconnect with 
your vision or how you want to live, how a supportive environment would look to you. Would a supportive environment look to you like everything is just like a bomb went off? Or is it more like a calm environment where you actually find the things that you're looking for? And then again, and then you can tell your brain, okay, but five minutes doesn't hurt. So let's straighten up the kitchen for five minutes or straighten up the office for five minutes, you know? Yes, yes. If we can get into the habit of refocusing on the on the happy end result, you know, yes. and, and, you know, getting clear on that vision and what will it look like for us. So maybe even before you even start, like do a little quick little journaling, you're like, what am I really trying to accomplish here? Like, what will it look like when I've already got this done? And then, you know, almost kind of like working the problem backwards. Because yeah, yeah you're right. It's that, that crazy, like survival brain that you, we will survive without the sweets. We will survive without yeah. being surrounded by the clutter. But for some reason, our brain tells us that we won't. And there's various ways it can tell us that. But that's, like you said, it's something that has been evolutionarily evolved. And that's just how our brain works. And so we are smart enough to overcome that. <laughs> Yeah, we totally are, but it needs training. And I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not immune. I'm not a machine that can just overrun this. So I have my own battles and I always have to remind myself too, it's not, no, like I can decide. I'm not at the mercy of whatever my brain tells me in the moment. Like you said, we can survive, but the brain sure tells you, I don't survive right now if I don't eat dessert or if I don't like overeat or if I don't get a second serving or a second plate full of food but yes we would you know and then we don't feel good and then our gut acts up you know it's like it's similar with the clutter and that's why I'm saying start somewhere where it's not so emotional start with things that are not charged with oh my god I'm not going to survive if I don't have this Mm-hmm. We all yeah. have things that we can let go that we even even our scared mind can understand. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna survive without this. Yeah. Know? Yep. Oh, absolutely for sure. I I am famous for going through the house with my sage stick. And I like to clear with sage because that even helps me motivate to then clear the physical stuff. Because like you said, I'm not perfect either. We all have places in our home where it accumulates. And I think that's interesting too. I am not an expert of feng shui, but I'm sure someone that is would know, they could probably even tell you like the places that accumulate in your home, like what that, you know, is a reflection of, which I think is fascinating too. So Yeah, that's totally fascinating. And that's way going into the woo-woo. But you don't even need to be like we, that feng shui that comes from something that we have naturally in us. If we're learning again to actually really listening to us, a lot of things we notice automatically. Because I don't think if we're really honest and and we're really listening inside of us that we, we would choose to clutter up everything and close ourselves in I often come uh, compare it with boundaries too it's like we wouldn't want everything so close no we would want to have some breathing room yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and and um so so with feng shui as well it's like it's all about how the energy flows through your home but you can do that yourself. You feel that whether something feels good to you or not. Like I could do it when I was seven years old and I'm not any anybody special. I was just like, for some reason, because I was in this broom closet of a room, um, I just noticed how I feel better when I have less things in there or when I have the things in a way in there that they actually support what I need to do and I don't have to 
fight the environment to do what I want to do. So. Yes. So how can once we have maybe cleared out some space or and or arranged it that it's functional, how can we prevent it from piling back up or how can we prevent ourselves from going back through the same cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, there's um, several things. And um, so one, of course, is that you kind of um, make sure everything has its a home. So what all you have, all the belongings you have, have actually a home in your home. So they have a drawer to go into, a shelf to go on to, a cabinet to go into, they have a home. If not everything can have a home, then you somehow have too many things or not good enough furniture that you can house your things in. And that helps a lot. If everything has a home and you always get into the habit of putting it back into that home, that prevents a lot of clutter. It also makes you think before you buy something, where am I going to put it? Because if you get into the habit of everything has a home, before you buy some new kitchen gadget in the store, you're going to think, okay, where is this going to go? But you may not you may not have this thought if you're just have everything piled up on the counter. But the minute you start saying, okay, everything that I own has a half a home. Like we have a home where we can go. These things have a home. Um, then the clutter doesn't come in so fast. You can also have rules for yourself. Like you can do that already by when decluttering. So before I buy something, something else has to go. You can have that as a rule, or if you're if you're very adventurous, you can say before I buy something, two things have to go, or three things have to go. You know, it's like mm -hmm. we, a lot of people can do that with clothes. If our closet is full of clothes, before we buy another piece, we're gonna get rid of at least one. If we're adventurous, two pieces that we haven't worn that don't fit us. Most women, especially women, have all kinds of clothes in their closet that don't fit them anymore. So let's go. Let release some of these let them go with love to somebody who can wear them and then we're allowed allowed like we give these rules to ourselves then right. we're buying something new yeah self-love boundaries <laughs> self-love boundaries yes yeah. also like a closet that is filled with um clothes that actually fit you and you love wearing it's again self-love and makes like and it doesn't matter how many clothes you have in your closet i'm not saying you can only have 20 things or whatever like there is some crazy things out there where you're only supposed to have so many items and not more i'm not for that but if you have if like anything you pull out of your closet fits you that already takes a lot of stress and a lot of overwhelm and a lot of energy drain away from you so mm -hmm. You can start like this and and also when you when you start decluttering this way you are already getting into the habit like i said before with everything has its home um like we, in the closet everything you have has a hanger or or has a spot on a shelf nothing is outside so if you can get to that point then you automatically don't clutter up your home as much because you give yourself constraint in a way Unless you're consciously saying, okay, now I'm buying another, like with books, I'm buying another bookshelf so I can have more books if that's what you want. But sure. Yeah. Other, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like this bookshelf looks right there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Intentional design versus just accumulation, I think. Yeah. And, and also sometimes really thinking, do I really need to buy this? I, for example, for bigger purchases, have a 24-hour rule. I'm not going to just buy something on impulse. 
like it's still there 24 hours from now i can mm -hmm. buy it then and then figure out and, and if i have such an urge and and and, and i feel like no i have to buy it now then even more i should probably wait 24 hours to figure out what is this this rush to, to yeah that might be exactly something that we're trying to cover up some emotions that we don't want to deal with that's yeah. the advanced the advanced part yeah it really is because it's about a practice of building that self-awareness and yeah. building that deliberate intentional life instead of the constant reactivity because really exactly. when we're impulse buying or we're having retail therapy or the you know eating our emotions any of those things that's just a reaction to something that's going on in our brain or our body somewhere it's yeah. but it and so it's very unconscious and so yes. this whole topic is really about building you know a practice within our life to be intentional to be deliberate because we are the creators of our life we have that power and isn't that amazing and it can be wonderful if we give ourselves the chance <laughs> yeah and you mentioned overwhelm earlier and overwhelm is usually because we feel out we feel we're not in control but we are in control and we can claim that control back. Nobody says we have to buy these things. Nobody says we have to clutter up our home. It's what we do um, as a reaction, like you just said, reactive. We're not living um, active or consciously. We're just reacting to whatever is going on. And yeah. we can claim that back. But I always say like decluttering is not a one-time event. It is a, is a journey. It's, a, it's an ongoing thing. And if you go slow, it's less harsh on you less daunting as well because who would want to declutter for two weeks and then sit in this decluttered home all, all shocked and traumatized you know <laughs> yeah yeah so it's an ongoing thing and at the same time that you declutter you become aware whether you really need to buy these things or not and it's just it's a, one comes after the other and the outside um has an effect on your inside and how your inside is reacting has again an effect on your outside and it's just this this moving on and and it, it when you go by this slowly like this you make way more progress than if you declutter for three hours and not again for three months and then again for three hours straighten everything up this is very exhausting and yes. will not will not result in a supportive environment because the majority of the time you have no supportive environment and then you maybe um, bring up a lot of energy and declutter for a while and then it is good for a day or two and then it everything creeps back in and yeah that sounds more like a cycle of stress and exhaustion to the word you just used and then, yeah. <laughs> and then you avoid it for a while until you know yeah. until you're at that breaking point again of like oh i have to do this um yeah. i like to sort of approach it seasonally and i know you know there's the mm -hmm. whole spring cleaning but um what about you know quarterly or monthly or you know i guess maybe it's just depending on the person and that's sort of when i go through and i do the saging and you know so like mm -hmm. i open all the windows and sometimes mm -hmm. even in the winter i'll open all the windows and doors just to let everything sort of flow out and through and yeah. i feel like that clears it out to also mm -hmm. clear my resistance to cleaning <laughs> <laughs> yeah spring cleaning for sure is is good i always say spring cleaning and decluttering is like spring cleaning on steroids and i have nothing against spring cleaning but if that's the only thing you're doing then you're still 
kind of like 11 and a half months out of the year, you're not doing anything. And then you're trying to do everything in two weeks or however long you're doing spring cleaning. And that can be very exhausting. So I, I, I prefer to do, to do it ongoing. And then maybe I have a spring clean where I do something a little bit more thorough. It's like with the home, like I have, when I do, that has nothing to do with cluttering, more with cleaning. So the way I clean is I clean by room. So Monday is bedroom, Tuesday is the bathroom, Wednesday is the kitchen. That doesn't mean I don't do anything for a whole week in the bedroom. But then on that Monday, I spend an extra 10 minutes in the bedroom. And on Tuesday, yeah. I spend an extra 10 minutes in the bathroom. And if you do this, then yes, spring clean can be beautiful because you can actually, you get, rid of the cobwebs from winter and you let spring air in and all that. And it's not as exhausting as if you're, if that's the only thing you're doing. And I always say like, if you, especially with decluttering, if you feel completely exhausted after decluttering, you did it wrong. You actually should feel light and, and, and like something free, freed you and, and, and lighter and, and full of energy after decluttering. And mm -hmm. if you feel heavy and exhausted and, and whatever, then you did overdid it. That's yeah. Yeah. I, you know, oh my gosh, there's so much about this conversation that I love. Um, <laughs> so uh, how can people find you to enlist your services? And one of my big questions is, um, are you work is, uh, do you work totally remotely or do you see in, in person clients and as well or how does that all work yeah so um i do or i did work in people's homes before the pandemic mm -hmm. for sure um it's a different um it's a different process because then i'm in the home and i actually help them to a degree like it's always their decision everything like i said before but i can i can help them um hands-on but of course since the pandemic started um, we do a lot virtually, which works too, because I'm, I'm here and a lot of has to do with the mind drama that doesn't matter whether I'm in person there yes. or not. And actually, sometimes it's very beneficial if I'm not in the person's space, because it is very personal. So I come from the finance world and we always said, oh, finances are very personal and people have a lot of shame and everything around finances. We'll try clutter. Clutter is even worse. And if you walk into somebody's home or into somebody's bedroom as a stranger, that can be very um, invasive. So sometimes Zoom is actually um, a blessing because there is this computer screen in between. So I'm do of course, since the pandemic started more and more, I do on Zoom. But if somebody is comfortable with me coming in and lives here in the Vancouver, BC, Canada area, I, I'm still going to people's homes. Um, but again, mostly right now it's um, it's virtual. Okay, yeah. but so but they can make an appointment like through your website. Yes, so my website is connygraf.com, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F.com. And there um, you can go to contact me or my services and you can... I offer a 20 minute free call so we can get to know each other a little bit. And I learn a little bit what the people are struggling with mm -hmm. and we can go from there. Cool. And uh, another option is also like, you can listen to a podcast. I have also a yeah. podcast. You could listen to that and you hear a little bit my philosophy. Like there's many different philosophies, uh, how to declutter. Um, and it just is a matter of which one speaks to you. 
-hmm. It's like, it's not that other ones are wrong. It depends how you function. I mean, some people want to declutter like Marie Kondo, like with rules. I don't have rules. I have principles. So I go by principles and um, I don't have rules. But I, like I said, some people are drawn to that. Others are drawn to me. So if you listen to my podcast, you hear a little bit um what my philosophy is I talk a lot about mental clutter because I feel everything starts with mental clutter how we think like I said we don't have to believe everything we think and if we can get a handle on our thoughts and be more conscious what we're thinking and believing um that is a big step forward in a lot of um clutter clearing (laughs) projects yes Okay, well, we are coming to the end of our time. Is there anything else that you feel like we need to leave the listeners with today that we haven't touched on? Yeah, so um, one thing that I want to say and that maybe I haven't said um, good enough yet is like clutter has always something to do with our emotions or something that went on with us and shaming ourselves for it or for having a cluttered environment is not helpful. So never ever shame yourself, never ever beat yourself up for having a cluttered environment or not being able to declutter it as fast as you want or whatever, like be patient. Decluttering is about um, self-love. Like I said, it's about figuring out what actually serves you and what feels good to you. Mm-hmm. And then taking away what doesn't and not about beating yourself up for it or like, again, our brain, it can be so mean. And I'm the first one who has to admit that my gremlin in my head is very nasty. He would never say he or she would never say what it says to me. And I, I know from experience, a lot of people are that way and it's so not helpful. So be kind yeah. to yourself when you go yeah. on this journey. Yes, yes, I 100% agree. So thank you so much, Connie. I really appreciate your time and your expertise and all of your insights. And I actually, I look forward to having you back and we can have so many more conversations. I feel like we've just scratched the surface. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me and I could talk for hours about this stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, (laughs) Thank thank you.